Well, again, uh, thank you all for being here. It's great to see this kind of turnout for uh, this kind of event. I think that uh, certainly, uh, Rushi, all right, go ahead to the next slide. Um, the, we're talking about signs of the times, you know, stop importing uh, you know, oil. You know that we have quite a, a reliance on foreign oil, and this is just one of the market drivers. Um, next slide. The, uh, there are a number of different market drivers. I'm just going to very quickly hit on them and then get into the C&G aspect because I think it's important to kind of put that all into bigger perspective. I think we all know that there's the problem with the global energy supply and demand and the imbalance that's there, and it's only going to get worse. Uh, at this point, and actually since 1985, we've been using more oil every day. The world has been using more oil than we've been either discovering or pulling out of the ground. So we're very slowly depleting that, but there's some major things going on in Asian economies, as well as the fact that even here with improvements in our light-duty vehicles and our heavy-duty vehicles in terms of efficiencies, we are still driving a lot more vehicles that are heavier. We are what, up to something like 46% of all light-duty vehicles are SUVs now. So even though we're getting more efficient with our vehicles, we're still traveling more miles, we have more cars per household, and we're consuming more energy than we did back in 1975 for transportation. So this is a problem that, obviously, that's what we're all here to address. Uh, there's also the air quality issues. It's not just a situation of uh, it bad for health in terms of absenteeism and lost productivity. There's a lot of societal health care costs. There's even a study recently done in California that shows that approximately 20% of the crops in the San Joaquin Valley, which you just heard about, uh, are lost actually due to the effects of pollution on the agriculture. Uh, there's also the cost of noncompliance. Obviously, you're in an area that's working actively to address these issues, but uh, you know, there are some fairly good-sized carrots and fairly big-sized sticks with the federal government if you don't have a plan that complies. I think one of the most important ones, and the one that I'm going to focus on because it's really creating, a, I think, a great opportunity for natural gas vehicles, is that the advances in transportation technology is creating emissions reductions, which are necessary, but there's also a lot of trade-offs in performance, as well as in ownership and operating costs. And quite frankly, the petroleum-based fuels, whether it's gasoline or diesel, uh, are having more challenges to reach those emissions goals, and they're having an impact in terms of efficiency. If you just look at some of the emissions requirements that went into a place in 2004, we've already seen that to meet those requirements that we're seeing about a 5 to 6% reduction in fuel efficiency in the medium and heavy-duty fleets that are running on diesel. And this is not a matter of them not doing the technology, right? It's just a matter of trying to balance those things off. And I think that alt fuels are certainly gaining acceptance and greater market share, and we're seeing that there's some better economies of scale. Uh, next slide, yeah. Just very quick, I think most of you have probably seen this, but we're looking at particulate matter, the soot in the air as well as the NOx, and you can see where the standards were in terms of what you had to meet as a heavy-duty engine in 1998, then in 2002, 2004, that had to do with a, uh, an early uh, um, compliance issue. But then you look at where we are now, we're in that little blue area trying to get down to that little white postage stamp. And we're doing that in a time frame that's very, very quick, which is uh, in light-duty vehicles, we've been working on trying to get cleaner vehicles since 1970, 71. Uh, and there's been things like there's no more lead in the fuel, and we all have catalytic converters in our car, three-way catalysts. We've been slowly getting there and cleaning up our light-duty vehicles, but the heavy-duty vehicles were able to kind of stave that off for quite some time. And they're having to really uh, ramp up to the same level of emissions reduction in a very short period of time. And that's a real challenge for the engineering departments at all the various truck companies. To do that, they're working with the fuels on the front end. They're working with what they're doing in the engine. They're doing exhaust gas recirculation or ACER technology if you're Caterpillar. You're changing the timing of combustion. You're doing a lot of different things to try to make things right in the engine. 
And if you still haven't met your compliance issues, then you work on what's coming out the back end, which is the tailpipe. So you're, you're, you can see a lot of things like particulate filters, continuously regenerating traps, uh, a lot of different things, NOx adsorbers, and where we have to go in the future to meet that postage stamp that I showed you just a minute ago. Next slide. Okay, now just quickly about the benefits of natural gas. One of the things that uh, people are not aware of is that while we have roughly in the range of, let's say, 100,000 natural gas vehicles here in the United States, there's over 5 million worldwide. Actually, it's over 5 million now. Uh, it's an inherently clean fuel. Natural gas is primarily methane, which is CH4. Uh, very low NOx, very good soot reduction. I mean, actually, it's very little soot at all. And it's also uh, going to be a very strong player in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. Natural gas is a domestic fuel. 97% comes from North America. About 84% of that comes from the United States. 13, 14% from Canada, and a very small amount in the form of LNG coming into ports. Natural gas vehicles, particularly on the heavy-duty side, are quieter. Um, and in, a natural gas engine in the heavy-duty sector is about 80 to 90% lower decibel level than diesel, which is important for things like refuse trucks and school buses and, and in urban environments. And most important, and the one that I think is really going to be what makes the market move forward is, you know, you don't do it because it's a good idea. You don't do it because it's air and air quality or energy diversity. It's because it's good economic sense. And now more than ever, particularly because of the new federal incentives that are out there, there's a very good economic case study for natural gas vehicles. Uh, we have lower maintenance costs, always have. We've always had lower fuel costs, but now that these incentives come through, we're seeing the buy-down of that first cost premium, as well as a real reduction in fuel costs that makes this a great payback. Next slide, please. All right, well, natural gas vehicles are a good fit for a lot of different fleet applications. As you already know, there are a lot of local, state, and, and federal government fleets out there leading by example. Uh, I like the quote that, uh, that we just heard from Mr. Ross, which is that, uh, was it, example is, is uh, uh, the, best way, what, the best way to show leadership. I, I guess it's the cities are leading by example is the point. Uh, there are a lot of airports. Uh, it would be great to see the uh, Charlotte Airport and the Greensboro airports. Uh, move forward with some programs that they're thinking about in terms of uh, using natural gas vehicles. Refuse, we're seeing a great increase in that. As a matter, matter of fact, um, four of the top five chassis manufacturers of refuse vehicles offer natural gas options right out of the factory. Uh, we can cover that in a moment. There's over 10,000 transit buses across the country. About one in every four natural gas, one in every four transit buses being ordered is natural gas. That tells you how well it's been accepted in that industry. School districts, there's over 150 of them across the country. And I think one of the really good areas, and this is for the private sector, is the short haul sector. Anybody that's got a food or beverage or snack business, the linen business, uh, package delivery, courier services, all those kinds of vehicles that are running out there, coming back the same day, typically running less than 200 miles in a day, that's a great application for natural gas vehicles, and there's a great payback there. Next slide, please. Now, Despite what some people have heard about the fact that GM is no longer making their natural gas vehicles and that Ford has pulled out on some of those, um, there's actually quite a few vehicles available out there. We were not hitting the kinds of numbers that GM and Ford and Chrysler wanted to see, but the companies that work with those, that develop those technologies said, you know, your nut, your nut might be 4,000 vans a year, but 500 would make us very happy. And those companies just took that role on, and I'll show you who those are in just a moment. But you can get a lot of different Ford and Mercury and Lincoln products. You can get a lot of GM products. And certainly when you get into the vocational trucks, all the various chassis manufacturers, with the exception of International, uh, actually offer some form of natural gas vehicle. 
uh, and even in the international situation, there's an engine, there's a company out there that's exhibiting here today that has a perfect engine replacement retrofit using the same diesel block, the DT-466. Uh, lots of different bus and shuttle companies. So again, very large number of vehicles. My website has a listing at all times of every single vehicle that is available. Thank you. Okay, here's the various engines and vehicles that are out there. In the essence of time, uh, I will be available to certainly provide any of this information afterwards, but you can see that there's a wide variety on the left-hand side, which are all the gasoline uh, derivative-based engines, and on the right-hand side, you have all the diesel-based engines, uh, Cummins Westport, Emission Solutions, John Deere, and a company called Westport Innovations. This is a, a wide variety of engines across a wide variety of horsepowers and torque. Right, now there's a couple of incentives to tell you about. One is, it's a three-legged stool. Think of these three different kinds of federal tax incentives. There's a vehicle purchase tax incentive that says there's an income tax credit to the buyer of a new dedicated alternative fuel vehicle. And that's 50% of the incremental cost of the vehicle with various caps that are put on based on the size of the vehicle in terms of gross vehicle weight. If you're extra clean with the engine that's in that vehicle, you can get an extra 30% of that incremental cost meaning that you can get 80% of the extra cost of buying a natural gas vehicle versus your standard diesel or gasoline vehicle. Next slide. Okay, those credits range from $2,500 up to $32,000 per vehicle. And you can see the ranges there. The, the ranges are, represent 50% versus the 80% number. Um, I'm just going to point to the, the last one there, $20,000 to $32,000. For larger vehicles, refuse fleets, transit buses, even if you get into shuttles the next size down, we're talking about a very good federal tax incentive that goes to the buyer of the vehicle. Now the credit is also effective uh, for conversions or repowers or retrofits. And although it's due to uh, only go for about three or four years, it's pretty well been accepted that it's going to be extended this year in energy legislation probably to, to 2016. Next slide, please. Now there's, uh, let's see, do we have this right one here? Great. Okay, now there's also a motor fuels excise tax. That's an important one for you folks here. As you probably know, there's the Jobs Act last year that gave various kinds of credits to blenders for ethanol and biodiesel. The Highway Act of 2005 finally putting credits for natural gas fuel, which is CNG or LNG. It also put it out there for LPG or propane, as well as for hydrogen, although we're not quite there with hydrogen yet. Uh, it's 50 cents per gallon tax credit paid to the seller of the fuel, and that's based on the gasoline gallon equivalent. Now, the credit is applied and paid to the eligible recipients without regard to whether or not you pay an excise tax. So if you're a town or a school district or an airport authority, and you don't pay the federal excise tax, you're getting the full 50 cent value of it. This is not coming back rebating your own money. This is actually coming out of a separate fund at Treasury. And I can meet with anybody. We've got examples of forms that you fill out. But... There are transit agencies and cities right now filling in their forms and on a quarterly basis getting back a check from the U.S. Treasury. And this is big money. This is the kind of money that gives you fast paybacks on your vehicles. Next slide, please. Okay, I certainly would suggest that you look at the other kinds of tax incentives that are available both federally and in, with your state. Uh, one of the great ones here is, was it called the Clean Fuels Advanced Technologies uh, Program, as well as your Mobile Source Emissions Program. I'm going to give one example here, uh, and then, again, I've got some slides that I can show you afterwards to give you specific payback analyses for the kind of business you're in. I'm going to take a refuse collection truck life cycle cost analysis. Now, this assumes that it's a private company that's probably contracting with a town. They have to go out and they have to buy either a clean diesel, new truck, or a natural gas truck. 
the natural gas truck is going to cost them about fifty to fifty-two thousand dollars more. The engine, the tanks, the system. However, they can get a $32,000 tax credit, which means that they're still looking at a nut of $20,000. That's how much extra they want to get themselves paid back in their contract or in their recovery. If you look at the average use of around 8,500 to 9,000 gallons a year for a refuse truck, and again, that's just an average based on various duty cycles. You look at the differential on the cost, and it says a buck 90 there for CNG. Here in the state of North Carolina, it's as low as a buck 45. So you can see there's a big difference between the equivalent cost of gas versus diesel. You take that fuel cost savings and then you take that fuel credit that I told you about. You'll see it says 31.7 cents. If you're a private company, you're going to pay the federal tax and then you're going to get back a 50 cent credit. The net is about 32 cents in your pocket. That comes down to a lot of fuel savings per year, which in this case actually gives you a payback of about 2.1 years. Now, a two-year payback on a vehicle that you're going to own for eight or ten years is a great life cycle cost analysis. I think anything under four is pretty good for most businesses. Am I up on my time here? I think right about just, just a minute more. All right. And the assumptions about what those costs are for the fuel, I'd be more than happy to discuss those with you during a break. I'll be here during the day. But, again, this is just one example. I've got examples here for a municipal dump truck. I also have put together three or four different case studies for different kinds of businesses in all the different class of vehicles, including vans and pickup trucks, step vans. This is a no-brainer, by the way. The tax credit for this size vehicle is phenomenal. Uh, you can get payback of less than a year, and that's not even including any grants from the state. You go up to the next size. Uh, here's an example of that, that vehicle I was telling you about, the DT-466. It's a very popular international truck engine. You can get that with natural gas, and that can give you a payback very quickly based on the amount of fuel that you use in that, typically in that kind of business. And next is questions, and I have uh, other slides after that that we might get to in questions and answers if you have any. Thank you for the opportunity. I know I ran fast. I'm a northerner. I talk fast. Thank you.